In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our God is a giving God. And chiefly among his gifts given here is the forgiveness of your sin. But if you are to be a proper recipient of this gift, you must be a sinner. Jesus said, I did not call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you're not a sinner, you don't need forgiveness. If you don't need forgiveness, you don't need Jesus. If you don't need Jesus, then you don't need God. So if you are to receive God rightly, you must be a sinner. To sin literally means to miss the mark. So it depends what you're aiming at. What is the standard? Well, we might say it's perfection. Nothing disordered, nothing out of place, nothing missing, nothing gone wrong. Now, surely no human in his right mind could claim to be completely perfect. In fact, even outside the church, we hear people say, well, nobody's perfect. But not being perfect is not the same thing as being a sinner. Not being perfect means, or it might mean, that I need better tools, better equipment, better training, better discipline. In this way of thinking, death is merely something that happens at the end of life. So then we get people who want to solve the problem of death with technology or science, and they think that they can do it. But you know that the cause of death runs far deeper. So if we are merely interested in being perfect, we will be tempted to treat the symptoms and to ignore the deeper condition. The deeper condition is sin. Treating the symptoms of sin doesn't fix the underlying disease. Thus, we need the holy law of God. We need the Ten Commandments. Of course, these Ten Commandments can also be applied in a superficial manner. Just read the Gospels and listen to the Pharisees, and they'll tell you exactly how to do just that. But even without the Pharisees instructing us, we are all experts at this superficial application of God's law. But Jesus says this superficial application is like whitewashing a grave. It might look pretty, but the inside is still stinky and rotting and dead. The heart is deceitful above all things, says the prophet But pastor, you might protest, we didn't paint ourselves white today. We had dirt rubbed in our faces. Yes, dear saints, this is true. But unless that sign on your forehead also reaches down to your heart, it does you no good. That's why we need the Ten Commandments to go to work on the heart. Ten Commands. 
10 words from God that diagnose your spiritual condition. 10 words isn't really very many. Can you recite them? Do you know all of these 10 words by heart? Be afraid to ask how many of you can't do it. But why is that? Why don't we remember these 10 words? Well, maybe because we learned it years ago in a class that ended, and for some of us that might have been a very long time ago. But another sort of practical reason is that we have largely lost private confession. Now, we'll come back to that in a minute, but earlier we were talking about the idea of symptoms and disease. You go to the doctor to get your checkup. In the same way, historically, private confession was like a checkup at the doctor's office. It was time for pastor and penitent to diagnose sin. Just like when you go to the doctor, you don't just tell him that you're sick and you need a certain medicine. The doctor is going to ask you more questions. He wants to know what hurts. When did it start? And things like that. He'll ask questions to diagnose precisely what is going on. Now, private confession worked the same way. It was a spiritual checkup, a way to diagnose spiritual maladies and to assist and to train the parishioner in self-examination. But just like people want to stay away from the doctor because he always seems to find things that have gone wrong, people prefer to stay away from private confession. They're afraid of what might be found if they go. So when it comes to our self-examination, we're often really just left with that brief moment in the divine service that we give for meditating on God's word before we confess our sins. Now, it might only be a few seconds long, but do you know how to use that time? How to take the Ten Commandments and apply them in specificity to your life? Now, in our practice, all we really tend to do is the public confession and absolution. And this is good and helpful, but having merely that can also be used as an excuse for sin. I've heard it myself. I'm sure Pastor Malstrom has as well. Everyone's a sinner. Why make a big deal about my specific sin? Just give me the absolution and let me go. Now, there's a temptation to think that we don't need God's law or that we don't really need it to to let it cut all the way down deep. If the cut is causing too much pain, we dismiss it. We want it to stop. We don't really let the law fulfill its purpose. Now, imagine if you went to the doctor and you 
refused to give him any details of your sickness, but you demand a certain cure. Now, if you have a bad doctor, you might get what you've asked for, and he might end up giving you Tylenol for your brain tumor. But if you have a good doctor, and you refuse to answer his questions or submit to diagnostic testing, he's not going to have anything to give you. But if you answer his questions, go through the diagnostics, find out what the real disease is, depending on the disease, you can in time find real relief. And so all this is to say that we need concrete preaching of the law, whether in the service, in the sermon, in the service, or in individual pastoral care. Yes, the Ten Commandments issue the diagnostic, you have a sickness, you are a sinner. But the Ten Commandments don't just say sinner. They are more precise than that. They also name your sin. They show precisely how you have failed in your vocation or how you have hurt your neighbor. And this is where something like that confessional mirror that was available today can be helpful as you seek to diagnose and to name your specific sins. And so as you meditate upon and consider these things, you see how much you need your Savior. You see precisely what sins Jesus died for, for you. And this diagnostic also teaches you what you are to pray for as you struggle against these sins. And so turn, therefore, to Christ. See that your Jesus is the doctor who can and does cut your sin out from you. That is what the word forgive means. Jesus cuts away your sin. For he has paid with you with his very life, taking away all your sins, bearing the burden of their consequence to the full upon his cross. He is the good doctor who can and does raise the dead, who gives you new life. What he won on the cross, he has given you in the absolution and in the cleansing waters of holy baptism. That's why your ashes today are in the shape of a cross. And it calls to mind the words that we speak at baptism. Receive the sign of the Holy Cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. You are thus redeemed of all your sins, redeemed by Christ the crucified. And what Jesus sacrificed upon the cross for you, he now gives you from this altar. In the holy name of Jesus. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.